Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast by Worthy. I'm Jennifer Butler, and I'm your host. A common topic in our Worthy Facebook group and a story we often hear when speaking with our clients here at Worthy is that of infidelity. No matter what the details of the experience, infidelity is an emotional happening that brings up feelings, stories, and beliefs that we possibly never even knew we had and that can also feel debilitating. The experience in and of itself can leave you feeling as though you can never trust again, and many find themselves stuck reliving the pain for far too long. Our guest today, Tara Eisenhardt, is an expert on this topic and has created a program called the Infidelity Recovery Boost. She's passionate about helping those who have experienced infidelity to move on in a healthy and empowering way that allows the pain of infidelity to be the catalyst to a powerful transformation. Tara's here to talk with us today on the topic of infidelity and how you can begin to work through your experience and move on. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back with Tara Eisenhardt. When you sell a piece of jewelry, you can't control how much it's worth, but you can make sure that you're selling smart with a team of experts and advocates behind you at Worthy. Your engagement ring can be a financial asset that allows you to embrace a new and fulfilling life after divorce. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Go to worthy.com forward slash podcast to learn more. Tara Eisenhard helps struggling singles overcome shame and frustration so they can find peace and create a life they love. She's a child of divorced parents, an ex-wife, a next wife, and the previous partner of a divorced dad. Personal experience taught her that divorce is about evolution, not dissolution. Tara works as an author, coach, and educator with a passion for healthy and happy divorces. She provides personal private coaching, as well as online courses and community events. Tara is the author of the book, The D Word, Divorce Through a Child's Eyes, and the blog, Relative Evolutions. She's been interviewed for various radio and TV programs, and her writing has been featured by the Huffington Post, DivorcedMoms.com, Family Affairs, Divorce Force, Stepmom Magazine, and MariaShriver.com. We are very excited to have Tara's voice and perspective here as a part of the Worthy community, and I am thrilled to talk with her today. Thank you, Tara, for being here. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Yes. So, you know, I just read a little bit about your story, but let's start with you sharing a little bit more about that and your passion for the work that you do. Sure. So my story actually starts decades ago now. I was, it was actually two weeks before my 13th birthday and I overheard my parents having an argument. And in the middle of this argument, my mom said to my dad, oh, get a lawyer. I can't talk to you anymore. Mm. And that was the moment that really my, my whole life changed. Um, from that point, they started talking about getting divorced At first, I was really scared, of course. I didn't know what to expect. There was a lot of uncertainty. It took a couple months before things kind of, you know, shook out. My dad moved out in the summer. This all happened in 
uh, like the end of March. And then um, so it was June when my dad moved out. And, you know, I had friends who had divorced parents, but it wasn't really anything that people talked about a whole lot. Right. So I really, I didn't know what to expect. I just kind of waited and, and sort of dealt with it on my own, I guess you could say. Mm. Uh, but really, I mean, to my surprise and delight, everything was fine. Of course, it was, it was uncertain and shaky in the beginning, but ultimately what happened as a result of my parents' divorce was that my life got better. I mean, things in my house were peaceful again. When my parents didn't have to live under the same roof, they didn't have to fight all the time. Mm. So, you know, that was better. Um, my parents' relationship improved between each other. Um, my parents, my individual relationships with each of my parents improved. And then like, as my parents began to, you know, recouple with new partners, my family grew. And it was really nice. Honestly, I had more, more people around me who loved me and um, supported me and could help me with my homework and all of those things. And so ultimately, you know, I grew up thinking that divorce was a good thing. You know, I was an adult. I was in my 20s before I realized how lucky I was. And when I got divorced myself and I started to tell people and having the role models that I did growing up, I had a very good cooperative divorce. My right. ex-husband and I knew that where we were at was bad and we knew that we could make it better. We knew that we wanted to be different people and we wanted different things in our lives. And so we set out to, you know, consciously uncouple, so to speak. Right. And um, so I was really happy about that. It was a relief for me. And to my surprise, nobody was happy for me when I, <laughs> I told people I was getting divorced. <laughs> Everybody was either angry or sad. Right. And I did not understand why. And so I started to, you know, at first I, I went to, it was actually, it was the first time in my life I went to amazon.com because my local bookstore did not have any books about people who were happy to be divorced. So I went to Amazon and I found this book by Constance Ahrens called The Good Divorce. And it was actually a, a research project that she did where she talked about the different ways that people kind of uncouple, mm -hmm. but she broke them down into, you know, the fiery foes and the cooperative colleagues and a couple others in there. And she talked about the reasons why, and she had interviewed these families over a period of, of decades. And it was fascinating to me. And so I kept reading about divorce and then I started dating a divorced dad and he had a much more traditional divorce, unfortunately, with, you know, the, the crazy ex-wife, right. right. And, uh, these kids that were caught in the middle and so being part of that dynamic, I started looking again, okay, what is my role here? How do I function as this pseudo step parent? Um, how can I make things easier for these kids? How, what am I doing with this relationship with this other woman who hates my guts? And even though she's never met me, right? so right. it was years and years of research and fascination and knowing this whole time that all of this can be so much better for everybody. And I knew it because I had lived it. Right. And eventually I found out that divorce coaching was a thing. And so here I am. <laughs> Long story short. <laughs> I love that because like, you come at this from such a unique perspective because you've lived it and you've lived it from this place of positivity and possibility, mm -hmm. you know, even as a child and that as an adult, you know, what's possible through this opportunity that divorce provides for you and, and your family. Mm -hmm. And so that's such a beautiful perspective. And so, to you know, it's like you came here following your heart, which I love. 
there's so much we could talk about too, because in everything you just said, I'm like, oh, I want to talk about, <laughs> you know, that perspective and how to transition into that. And, and then the child's perspective, you know, everything that you've kind of brought up. But today we're going to talk about infidelity and how people can recover and move on. You, you've created a program called the Infidelity Recovery Boost, which you're going to be sharing with us today, elements and, and tools from that program. And I chose this topic because, you know, I notice in our, you know, our Facebook group in, in the Worthy community and, and just clients that we talk to that, you know, come in and start sharing their stories, just a really high number of people are experiencing the event or events of infidelity. Mm-hmm. And I know the numbers are staggering. Are there statistics around that number? There are lots of statistics, actually. And this is something that I've, I've kind of been looking at for years. There's lots of statistics as high up as, you know, in the 80% of wow. men cheat on their wives or, you know, would or have. Um, wow. And, and then there's, there's statistics that are much lower, too. Okay. Generally speaking, the statistics that are out there basically state that cheating happens. Men tend to do it more than women by a, a margin of usually, you know, somewhere between 10 and 20% more. The numbers are, are say that, you know, if it's like, you know, 80% of men, it's, you know, 68% of women or something. Right. But and m- most of the numbers aren't that high, but okay. they do run the gamut between like, you know, 14 or 15% up to 80% I've seen over the years. Um, so it happens, you know, it's out there. It's a fact of life. It's a fact of relationships. It's a fact of divorce. And it's something that we need to talk about and we need to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we need to start with like, what is infidelity? I think that what seems to be so obvious isn't because we hear, well, is this cheating? Is this not cheating? What is cheating? Right. And so, you know, what is it? Yeah. And so the definition that I use for infidelity is it's any behavior that goes outside the boundaries for a relationship. And that looks different for every relationship. We know that there are couples out there who have, you know, open relationships where they're they're physically allowed to play with other with other people. And that's okay. Um, So, you know, if you're looking at it in terms of defining infidelity and and limiting it to a sexual nature, that doesn't apply in those cases. Right. But in those cases, you know, they they have rules where, you know, the emotional entanglement is what's outside the boundaries of what's acceptable in the relationship. So, like I said, every every situation is different in some in some relationships. It might be that emotional infidelity is what tips the scale. And sometimes it can be, you know, a physical act and sometimes it's kissing and sometimes it's more than kissing. So anything that that goes outside the boundaries of the relationship and something that you know, would need to be hidden would be an infidelity. Right. So then it makes sense then to really discuss this topic, right? Like to have Mm -hmm. boundaries, to really share with your partner what feels okay for you, what doesn't, and and have the courage in like the safe space to to just talk about what you're really feeling about this topic. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So like I said, you created... Uh, something called the infidelity recovery boost. And Mm -hmm. 
I love this. And I love the steps here, just the way you guide your clients through. I think it is something that is digestible for people and it's a clear path and it provides them very specific ways to get from where they are to to moving on, to being free. And so mm-hmm. I'm really excited for you to share this with, with everyone who's listening today. So I guess, you know, just start walking us through those steps and we'll kind of chat about each one as we go. Sure. So the the program starts with taking a look at the story. And we all tell ourselves stories all the time. Uh, we're always acting out some kind of a, a narrative in our mind in this, you know, kind of stage that that we're playing on in our lives. And so the first thing that I have people do is to look at the story that they're telling themselves and the story that they're telling other people. What role do you play in this story? Are you are you a victim? Are you a hero? What role does the ex play? What role does the affair partner play? How do you feel when you tell this story? And how do other people respond when you tell it to them? So just looking at kind of what is right mm-hmm. now and getting a better sense of where people are in in their process. So that's where we start. Yeah. So what does that tell you though? Like, for instance, if somebody's playing the victim or the martyr or the hero or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. how does that guide you and them in this process? Well, it gives a little bit more information about what's currently going on. And then the the question that I always ask, you know, at the end of once somebody tells, figures out what their story is, you know, is there anything about this story that you want to change? Mm. And that's really the, the pivot point right there. Because if you're a victim and you are sick of being a victim, don't get me wrong, um, you know, everybody who's a victim of infidelity needs to be in that place, at least for a little while. Right. Um, but it's not healthy to stay there forever. And so generally speaking, people who are going through a coaching program are looking to make a change. So once we look at, okay, what's the current story? What is it that you want to change about this story? Yeah, And then that can kind of inform some of the decisions that the people make moving forward. Yeah, it's also powerful too, because I know when I went through my divorce eons ago, somebody very, very close to me pointed out that I was playing the martyr. And I remember it being a light bulb moment for me because I didn't see it. It was my mm-hmm. blind spot. And it was hard to hear and very hard to work my way through, but it was the biggest gift I was given. And so, I mean, it's just powerful to see really your role. Right. Okay. So what role are you playing and how do you want to change that? And then where do you take your clients? So then we start to look a little bit deeper into beyond the story. The next piece of it is to look at, you know, where does this hurt? Mm. And and how can you get the right kind of help? And so everybody knows that this is something that's painful. But with any, I like to talk about emotional wounds and physical wounds being very similar because so you can have a a physical wound on your body and you have to ask yourself some questions. You have to be able to assess the situation and say, is this something that I can handle on my own? Do I need help? Do I need medication? Do I need inpatient treatment for this? You know, how is this going to impact my life? Am I going to be able to get around and do everything that I normally do while I have this condition going on? And these are the same questions that we need to ask ourselves about emotional wounds too. 
So it can be very uncomfortable because mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, you don't want to admit that you need help. But, right. but sometimes, you know, sometimes people do. Sometimes a prescription is necessary to help in the healing process. Sometimes it is necessary to call in some reinforcements and, and ask people, hey, I need some help, you know, with childcare. I need some help cleaning my house. I just cannot handle all of this right now in my current condition. Mm. And so looking at those emotional wounds, kind of um, asking some of those questions, making some of those assessments, and then being able to take that information and reaching out for the right kind of help. And then also kind of expanding on that too, looking at not just the wounds and the immediate needs to kind of treat the wounds, but also what other, what other needs are happening in somebody's life? What kind of support are you craving? What kind of support is going to be helpful to you right now? A lot of times we get support that's not helpful, especially Mm. when it comes to infidelity. You know, we've got those well-meaning friends and family who just want to, you know, pull up a chair and be on our team and cheer us on and say, yeah, your ex is a jerk. Yeah. I call it the cheerleading section. Exactly. Exactly. And it can feel really good in the moment. Right. But I always say, Hating isn't healing. Hating keeps you stuck. So true. And so it's important to look at, you know, okay, who's in this cheering section? And what are you getting from this? And is it really helpful? And maybe there are some things that need to be shifted, some boundaries that need to be built. You know, maybe I talk about my emotional wounds and my devastation with my therapist, but not my sister. Because my therapist is a safe space and helps me explore this, whereas my sister is just going to say, hey, just put on your big girl panties and and deal with it. He's a jerk. Move on. Go find Prince Charming. Everything's fine. Right. I know sometimes that can be a hard step for people because it's almost like you develop this pattern or you treat people how how to treat you, right? And so like you kind of develop this pattern with your friends, your family, where they're in that role. So mm-hmm. how can people begin to break that role without, you know, losing yet another person in their life or, yeah, you know, that's a big risk. It is. It is. This can be really brutal yeah. and it's hard. And what is, what's really important is that people be able to know themselves and stand in their truth as mm-hmm. they're moving through this process and realizing that, any kind of divorce or end of a relationship is, I, I would say, you know, it's a it's a birth. Birth is messy. Birth is painful. It's something that a lot of people don't want to look at. Yeah. And when you're being birthed, you are vulnerable and, you know, naked and you can't hold your head up. Uh, and it's really important to be surrounded with the people who are going to really care for you in the most appropriate manner, who are going to help you learn how to function again. And so sometimes when people are going through a situation like this, it is necessary to draw some new boundaries, let some of those old relationships kind of um, expire, Mm. so to speak. But really, as long as people have the self-awareness and the honesty and the conviction to take care of themselves... And have those hard conversations. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're breaking up with somebody who has been a friend to you forever because they're not handling this the way that you would want them to. You know, sometimes it's just a matter of, like I said, drawing a new boundary. Maybe you just don't discuss 
these types of things with them. Or you can just ask and right. say, you know, hey, this isn't really helpful to me right now. It would really be helpful to me if you just, you know, be a little bit more supportive of me, be more encouraging of me instead of hateful towards my ex. Right. Or when I come to you and talk, I don't want you to solve my problems. Can you just hold this space for me and let me cry for a while? Yeah, that's beautiful. And I mean, anyone who cares about you and loves you is going to, I think, respond well when that is asked. Um, I'm going to take a really quick break here, and then we're going to come back and talk about the next few steps. So we will be right back with more from Tara Eisenhard. When I decided to sell my jewelry after my divorce, the most important thing to me was finding a company that I could trust and one that would also advocate for me. I found this and so much more at Worthy. Their expert staff immediately put me at ease and helped me to get the best price possible for my jewelry. Your engagement ring can be a symbol of your freedom, your journey, and the choices you have made to live your life on your terms and create the future you desire. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Go to worthy.com forward slash podcast to learn more. We're back talking to Tara Eisenhard about how you can heal and move on from infidelity. And she's discussing the steps from her infidelity recovery boost program. And we were just about to move on to the next step, which is step three. And I'm going to let you take that away. So we move on from uh, examining the story and then kind of examining our emotional wounds and looking for appropriate support. The next part of the process is really moving into, um, again, continuing with the support and and self-care. Mm-hmm. But then also looking at building a, a new relationship. So people who share children are never going to be free of their ex. Right. And so it's really important. And they might even have to co-parent with the affair partner. So we look at taking care of yourself, which I, I always say self-care is about three components. It's about respecting yourself, protecting yourself and investing in yourself. Mm. Um, we've talked a little bit about the respect yourself, protect yourself. When we talked about being, having the self-awareness, honoring your feelings, setting boundaries, those kinds of things. Yeah. Investing in the person that you want to be. And part of that means investing in a new kind of relationship with the ex And a lot of that comes down to being able to, you know, kind of, I always say you can't just cut the past away. You have to be able to integrate it, but you can't hold your ex responsible in your new relationship for what happened in the old relationship. So it's really important to be able to, to kind of look at this from a different perspective, kind of like go up to a higher level and look down and say, okay, well, you know, this person who's standing in front of me, you know, six months later is not the same person who cheated on me. That person was my husband. This isn't my husband. This is now my, my parenting partner, my co-parent. This is my children's father. There's all kinds of ways to kind of reframe this situation. Mm-hmm. And it's really important to be able to do that if you're going to move on and, and be able to have a healthy relationship 
moving forward and be able to to accept this yeah and and allow everybody to grow and and have the flexibility to change and create something new i love your self care definition of respect protect and invest i love that i mean it's so powerful and it's really touches each angle because i think we hear a lot about self care and it's our minds automatically go to taking a bath or yeah <laughs> go get a massage, you know, whatever it is. But yeah. I, I love this because it's so much deeper than the bubble bath. Yeah, it is. And I, I say the same thing. It's not bubble baths and massages. And there was a time when I thought that that's what it was. I yeah. thought that I was taking care of myself because I was getting regular massages, because I, I was sitting in a bubble bath and reading a book. And it's really not enough. Those things are are really nice and they're really important, but there's more to it. Um, And there's so many elements, you know, that come in here. And so, yeah, one day I was kind of looking at my situation and I was like, yeah, this is this is a little bit more more in depth. It's self care is about respecting, protecting, and investing in yourself. (laughs) Yeah, and I think when you're doing that, when you're actively doing that, then sitting at that higher perspective, you know, being able to reframe and look down on the situation actually becomes a step that you can do. Right. Because you're, you're taking care of yourself from the inside out, really. Exactly. And part of that too, I, I kind of glossed over and, and forgot to say, but p- another part of this process is to to look back at the old relationship and realize that, you know, maybe you weren't 100% truthful with yourself about what was happening you know, my ex-boyfriend cheated on me and I thought that, that everything was fine. And then this other woman came along and screwed everything up. Mm. And of course that's, that was a gross oversimplification. And when you're really honest with yourself and you can ask yourself those hard questions and go back and look at that relationship, things look a lot different. Yeah. That blame element. I think sometimes it's just easier, right? I mean, it's just Oh yeah. Easier to <laughs> make it all somebody else's fault than than to kind of look at your your own stuff and your own story. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so okay, and then so where do we go from there? So um once we have kind of looked at the story, looked at ourselves, you know, working toward creating something new, the last piece in the process is is more of a recognition, a celebration type thing. And I do this with um with my clients and most of my programs have some sort of an element where I say, okay, you need to be able to kind of mark this occasion. And I'm a big proponent of separation ceremonies. I think it's great when people break up and they can come together and jointly release each other, sort of a combination between a marriage and a funeral. Mm. But not everybody can do that. And I, I recognize that. But I think it's really important to be able to do it for yourself. So I, I walk people through a process of saying, you know, okay, when you're ready to kind of make a commitment to this new chapter in your life you know, think about having a little ceremony and it could be, it could be something huge. You know, you could have, you know, hire a celebrity to perform and, um, you know, have all kinds of like dancing and fancy food and and all this stuff. Or you could sit alone in your backyard and light a candle and, you know, write some things down and burn some stuff. But, um, part of that process is just, um, practicing gratitude for the ex and the relationship Mm -hmm. and then being able to say, okay, I'm, I'm ready to move on and here's how I'm going to commit to myself and my life and my children and, and maybe, you know, commitments to the ex too, but kind of writing some vows, 
um, maybe writing a letter of release to the ex and saying, hey, you know, thanks for our time together. Um, I really appreciate it. Looking forward to what the future holds or I'm I'm just going to take care of myself from now yeah. on. I hope that we're going to be okay. But to be able to kind of set those intentions yeah. and like I said earlier, integrate the past and be able to kind of carry the lessons forward. I always say that healthy healing means that, um, you know, if we go back to the physical wound, you might have a scar, but the scar doesn't hurt every time you touch it. When you allow yourself to heal in a healthy manner, you've got this thing and you can look at it and you can say, oh yeah, that happened, Hmm. but that doesn't hurt me anymore. Right. Gosh, I love the ceremony. I love that because when you think about, you know, in most, most cultures, any sort of transition through like a, a rite mm. of passage or transition from one phase of life to another, there usually is some sort of celebratory honoring of that. Exactly. And yes. this is another transition, another rite of passage, another transformation. It's a huge step. And so, gosh, I love that. Just that symbolic celebration of it. It is. And as a culture, you're right. We have we have these these norms and these structures and these rituals to deal with everything. Um, you know, even things that aren't fun, right? We have funerals mm-hmm. when right. people die. Right. There's nothing to contain what happens at the end of a relationship. Yeah. And that alone, that lack of structure contributes so much to the isolation, the shame, the yeah. blame, the pain that goes into this. And all of that darkness just feeds animosity yeah, and disconnection. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I was thinking. The shame, I mean, the celebration really is an answer to that shame. Mm-hmm. Really beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So, you know, a question that I know I often hear is, you know, how long is it going to take me to heal or move on? And, you know, am I ever going to get through this? What can you say to those people who just feel like it's just never going to happen? Right. And so what I say is it's a process and you can't rush it. It's a little bit different for everybody. There is a time when you absolutely have to give yourself permission to be wounded and to take care of those wounds, to step back from your life and nurse yourself and let other people kind of nurse you back to health and realize that this is going to happen in your own time. So much of it comes down to readiness and and willingness to, to be able to let go, to be willing to, to heal in a healthy manner. I tell a story about after my ex and I broke up and, and he had cheated on me with this other woman and it was like two years later and I, I was, you know, moving on and, and doing great in my life as far as I knew. And I just had this, this unhealthy attachment to this other woman. Mm. And it wasn't even with my ex anymore. It was, it was with her. And I kind of like caught myself in the middle of a, a prayer one day where I was like, father, mother, God, universe, please let me let go of this horrible woman who ruined my life. And I was just kind of like, whoa, wait a minute. What did I just say? Like, I'm holding on Yeah, (laughs) yeah. as much as I wanted to let go. And so, so much of it is, you know, not just being ready, being willing. And then also there's, there's some work there where you have to be able to kind of interrupt your thoughts and catch yourself 
where you are still holding on and realizing the story that you're telling and asking, okay, how can I interrupt this right now? What yeah. can I, what can I replace this with? And once you're able to start doing that, and then again, you're changing your story and, and moving in a different direction. Yeah. So it sounds like the consciousness, the intentionality, kind of being thoughtful in your healing at some point, making the choice to do that is a powerful step to moving on to transforming. Yeah, absolutely. Really great. So I asked this, all of my guests, what do you believe is possible for the future for anyone who's listening? I believe everything is, is possible. Anything is possible. And that's kind of one thing that, that we find out with divorce because nobody gets married planning to get divorced. Yeah, no, exactly. (laughs) But it happens, right? And so that alone just teaches us that anything is possible. (laughs) Right. It's not a comfortable way to, you know, it's not this, the uplifting way that we want to be reminded of that, but it is true. And um, so my advice and my encouragement to anybody who's listening is to to take control of your story. Uh, you don't have to be a statistic. Your children don't have to be a statistic, you know, the negative statistics that we hear. But yeah, one person has has a lot of power in any situation and, you know, embrace that self-care and that self-awareness and the desire to do something different to get to somewhere better if that's what you want and anything is possible. Mm. I'm so grateful for you being here, for you sharing all of this with us. I know that, you know, this is a treasure trove of wisdom and information that is going to help them on their process to healing. Where can people connect with you after today? Sure. So I am, I'm on social media. I'm on uh, Facebook at Tara Eisenhard Divorce Coach. I'm also on Instagram at Tara Eisenhard. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. And my website is TaraEisenhard.com. That's where you can get all the information about my book, my programs. Uh, you can schedule a consultation on there with me. And i um, happy to connect and talk and serve. That's what I'm here for. Mm, I love it. Thank you for your, your passion and just your heart because you really do come at this from such a place of possibility and love. And we hear it in your voice and I'm just grateful for your time. Thank you. It was great to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone take care and we will see you next time on divorce and other things you can handle. Thank you, Tara Eisenhard, for joining us today, and thank you, all of you, for listening. Next week, we'll be joined by Sarah Grace, discussing how you can reclaim your space after a breakup or a life transition. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch every new episode of Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle in your weekly feed. If you like what you hear, rate and review us to help other women like you be able to find us. I encourage you to join our Facebook group, Worthy Women and Divorce, where you will find support, education, and wisdom from others just like you.